Yeah, if I haven't met you before, my name's Tim, and um, yeah, we're just going to have a look at those verses and do a bit of a teaching on that this morning. Um, yeah, we just really welcome you as well if, if you're visiting and, and new, and welcome you if you're from interstate, like Jennings who are here, which is awesome. It's great to see you guys. And um, yeah, we started this um, series last week called The Servant, which is continuing to go through Matthew's Gospel. We're just doing a little bit each uh, year. Um, so this is chapters 14 to 20. Um, and yeah, we, we looked at last week of John the Baptist's death and um, yeah, so the tragic story of, of that and, and John going before Jesus in his birth and his ministry, but then also in his death. And now we come to see Jesus' kind of response to that. And um, yeah, it's interesting because Jesus is, is seeking to take some time out. Um, it, it start, the passage starts by him, him moving away on a boat. And I don't know if you've felt like that before. Maybe you're in a difficult season or, or just sort of overwhelmed with things, and you just need a break. You just need some time by yourself. Um, I felt like this a lot when I was teaching five-year-olds. <laughs> when I was teaching prep, um, it was pretty tiring and exhausting having 20 or more little kids, and uh, just wanting your attention all day, and just, yeah, it was, was just always a draining. Uh, it was exciting and fun, but, but draining. So then when I came to um, an opportunity to have a break, uh, when it was my, my lunch break and I didn't have anything I needed to do, I, I did not want to be around kids. I didn't even want to be around adults. I just wanted to be by myself for, for just a, a short break, uh, especially as an introvert. And, and that wasn't an easy thing to do at a school because the, the sort of the staff room was full of people. I could just go hide in a cupboard, but that'd be a bit awkward. Like, so I'd have to try and find a space to, to get away by myself and often just have to, yeah, search for some secret area and ended up like hiding out in the retirement village or, or something like that. And, and, but even then, I went to, to get there, I would have to go past kids and, and kids are happy to see you. They're, oh, Mr. Neil. Like, and I'm just like trying to get away from these little kids. And I don't know if you're a teacher and like you're on your break, you're like worst thing that can happen is you see a kid who's hurt themselves and another teacher around. It's like, oh, I'm on my break. I don't want to have to help this little kid. Like, but, but obviously you do. But, um, and, but it's, it's interesting. When I was on a break, when I was just trying to find space by myself, um, if I was interrupted in that, I, it, my response was frustration and annoyance. And I was wanting to be protective of my, my time and of my break. So it's interesting when we come to this um, situation with Jesus, that, that first verse we said, so said, when Jesus heard what had happened um, to John, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. So, so Jesus is probably grieving um, the loss of, of John, his, his relative. Um, he's probably aware that Herod is threatened by Jesus and is sort of moving out of that region and and Jesus is probably also reflecting on the fact that, the, that how John's life sort of headed and, and ended in this tragic death is actually where Jesus' life is going. So he's taking time away potentially to pray and to reflect, and it's in a time of grief and, and difficulty. So Jesus comes on, on a boat, and he comes, and then all the crowds are there. And it's interesting to think about his response, what, what his response might have been like if, if, if it was me. It probably would have said, Jesus was, was so annoyed because he just wanted to get some time by himself. Right. Well, maybe Jesus saw the crowds and then he turned away, turned the boat around. <laughs> Let's go somewhere else. Or, or maybe he thought, oh, I just can't get away from these crowds. I guess I'll just have to heal them. But I mean, see, that's not his response. Um, it says that when Jesus heard, uh, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on it 
and healed their sick. So Jesus' response to the crowd, who, when he's actually trying to get some time alone, when he sees them in their need, his response is not to be annoyed or to be frustrated or to avoid. His actual response is that he's moved with compassion. He actually cares for them in their need and in their desperation, and um, he has the power of God to heal them of their sickness, which probably still would have used his energy and, and time. as a crowd and there's all these people. It was still probably overwhelming, and it still required him to give, and he maybe had been tired and overwhelmed, but he had compassion and shared um, healing with them. And, in, and these people were so desperate that maybe they had even carried their, their sick around the other side and and, and had traveled a long way. So Jesus sees their desperation and, and their need, and he's moved. So we see that even in difficulty, Jesus has compassion on those who come to him. We see this other times in, in the Gospels when Jesus is under pressure, but he still responds with compassion. There's a story we looked at before of him going to heal a child, and on the way he's interrupted by, by a woman who has an issue of, of bleeding, and Jesus is under pressure, and there's crowds, and there's death, and there's all this stuff, but he's at rest and at peace, and he stops, and he heals this woman, and, and he's not in a rush. Even when he's pressed, he's compassionate, and he's kind. And it's interesting, because I think under pressure is when our true kind of character comes out. It's like when the circumstances are difficult, when, when there's challenge, when we're in difficulty and we're being pressed and we're being tested, kind of what's actually in us comes to the surface. And it's much easier to, to be loving and to be compassionate and to be kind when everything's just going well, you're having a great day, you're in a good mood, you've got lots of time to spare, um, there, there's an overflow and it's easy to give out love and compassion. But but when maybe we're stressed, facing personal challenges, there's deadlines, um, there's pressure, it's much easier to be short and to be frustrated or to avoid, like I would with, with, with kids, just sort of don't have anything to give, so don't, don't want to give and, and want to protect. Um, but I guess as well, in, in some ways, it's even, even when things are good, <laughs> Even when circumstances are great, sometimes it's still hard to respond with compassion, especially if we're not walking in the spirit, but, but in the flesh. Even in good times, sometimes it's still hard to love and show kindness. But we see for Jesus that circumstances don't matter. When he's pressed and tested, when he's in a trial or when he's in good times, he comes, what, what is inside of him comes out. And what's inside of him is love and compassion. And the ultimate example of this really is, is on the cross when, when Jesus is being crucified. And what comes out? A prayer of forgiveness for the people who are crucifying him. Because that's what's in him. That's who he is. It's not that he's really trying hard to be compassionate. It's not that he's really trying hard to hold it together. It's that what is in him comes out and what is in him is love. Because God is love who welcomes sinners and welcomes people. doesn't say, oh no, like not enough, enough for today. No, he welcomes people even um, in difficulty. No, he is the Lord. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There's times when Jesus gets angry, when God gets angry, but he's slow to anger and he is full of love. So when we come to him, that's the God we come to, a God of compassion, a God of love, a God who's not annoyed at us when we come to him, who's not bothered by us, not because we are worthy, but because he is full of mercy and grace and we're actually his children, we can come confidently to him. Um, 
in Hebrews, it's put so well, it's saying, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we, we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is not someone we need to not be sure about. Maybe he's upset. Maybe he's having a good day. Maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he doesn't want to be bothered by me. No, we can actually come to him with confidence, not based on us, but based on his compassion. And I think the more that we can live in that reality, that his heart towards us is compassion and grace and love continually, then we can actually be people who, even when we're in difficulty, show compassion, love, and kindness to others. If we just try really hard, it's not going to work. But if we're in his love, we can share with others. And we see that disciples in this story are starting to feel some pressure um, because of these crowds. And maybe for them too, they were kind of perhaps hoping to get away for some time of quiet. But they're there with these crowds as well. So they come and bring this problem to Jesus. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So the disciples come to Jesus here, and they're actually, they come with confidence, like we just said, but maybe even like overconfidence. Uh, they're coming to him, not with their problem, seeking his help. They actually come with a solution, and they tell him what to do. Like, like Jesus, we can see this problem, and we've come up with a solution. You need to send all the people away. Like, they need to go and look after themselves and buy some food. And in some ways, maybe that, that's, again, them thinking, well, there could be either way. It could be like, actually, we want to help these people, and well, all these people need to eat. The only way for them to eat is that we need to encourage them to go, go get food. Or it might be worse, that they're actually kind of frustrated at, at the crowd that's there, and they just were trying to get some time alone, and Jesus was trying to get some time alone, so the crowds, they've had enough of the crowds. Just send them off, Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to this? Does he say, oh, yes, look at the time. Like, we need to get these people home. It's so late, and they must be hungry. And I think we've done enough healing for today. You guys go home, come back tomorrow. Like, that's not Jesus, right? It's, it's almost interesting to think of Jesus responding like we would, and it just, he just doesn't respond like we would. Like, he doesn't respond in that sort of really human way. His response to the disciples is, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. That's such a good response. <laughs> like, the disciples are right that these crowds of people need something to eat. Jesus acknowledges that. There's a legitimate need there. The disciples are wrong that the people need to go away. They need food, but Jesus says they don't need to leave. And actually, they don't need to get it themselves. The disciples are to give it to them. And um, the disciples are right, in a sense, to come to Jesus with their, that issue, but they were wrong to tell him what to do. He actually will tell them what to do. You, you give them something to eat. So they're in this dilemma, right, of being in a wilderness, overwhelming number of people. They're probably tired. People need to eat. Jesus has told them to feed them. What are they going to do? Um, and they respond. And their response in some ways is almost like comical. Like, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Like, this is, this is what we got. It's an impossible scenario. How are we going to feed thousands of people with so little? Um, and we know from the, the Gospel of John, this, this food came from a little boy. It's like, it took a little boy's lunch, right? And they're like, this is all we got, Jesus, this lunchbox, right? Like, I don't think that's going to cut it. 
And, and it's almost maybe implicit in what they're saying, like, no, nah, it's not, we don't have enough to feed these people. And I don't know if you may ever feel like that um, when we sort of look at the needs, maybe even just needs in our own life and families or, or needs in the world. Um, there can be an overwhelming amount of need and often little resource available to help. Um, this is a common problem in church. In, there's no lack of need in churches. There's no lack of opportunity in churches. The common lack is resource. Uh, it's a common thing that we hear from, from ministries and, and, and leaders that there's so much we could do and there's, there's so much need, but we just don't have enough. We just don't have enough to actually meet that need. And that's true. It's, it's a reality. Um, it could be even in your personal calling from God that God may be calling you to something uh, asking you to do something, like Jesus says to the disciples, feed these people, and you say, well, I don't have enough to do what you want me to do. This is all I have, and it's not enough. It's beyond our capabilities. And to be in that place can be overwhelming, because there's overwhelming need, lack of resources, and it's kind of this place of being stuck, and what, what do we do? So Jesus says, in response to this, the disciples say, well, this is all we got, five loaves, two fish, Jesus' response is, bring them here to me. And there's something powerful in that, I think. Jesus actually, like, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't say, ah, oh, that's not enough, right? Like, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll deal with this, right? Like, no, Jesus says, bring this little lunchbox of food to me. He actually wants them to offer that up. And we can see that even when we don't have enough, we can bring what we do have to Jesus. Because what matters is actually not having enough. Like, like if we have a task we need to do often, that's a normal human thought, right? Well, we need to make sure we have enough for this task. But we can see in this story, what matters is not having, about having enough. What matters is what are we doing with what we do have? I think this is a, a freeing thing in, in this, um, yeah, overwhelming situation where, where this little um, lunchbox of food it, in some ways is irrelevant to thousands of people, like let alone 20 people. It's not going to feed 20 people, let alone thousands of people. If they had have tried to feed the people with that, those, that bread, like it would have just looked ridiculous. That Jesus wasn't saying, take that bread and feed the people. He was saying, take that bread and bring it to me, is what he said. Bring the little they have to Jesus. And when we don't have enough, Often we still have something, and what we can do is bring the something that we have to Him. Um, something that we do have that's often given to, to us by Him already, but then we can take it and give it back to Him. Because it's so easy to be focused on what we don't have. If we had more of this, we could do so much more. Or if Jesus, if I just had this gift, or this time, or this finances, or this, these people, then we could do that. It's so easy to focus on what we don't have and how little we have compared to how much is needed. But we see in Scripture and in this story, God is actually more interested in what we are doing with what we do have. We, we can be so focused on what we don't have if we just had this. But he's saying, well, what are you doing with what you do have? Even if it's a ridiculously small amount, like the small loaves and, and fishes. And um, it's easy to come to God as well, like the disciples did with their concerns, like, like, God, we don't have enough, you just need to do this. But actually, the invitation is, we'll come with what we do have and, and bring it to Jesus. 
So we see what happens next in this story. Verse 19, it says, He directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. This is, um, so the last thing Jesus says is, bring them here to me, and then the narrative just explains what Jesus does. Uh, he, he says to sit down, and it's on grass. So this is a, it's a wilderness, but it's, it's not a proper desert like we would think of, but it's a remote place, but there's grass, and they sit down, and it's almost like this picture of the Garden of Eden. In a wilderness, they're sitting down on grass, and Jesus perhaps encourages them to sit down because this is not just a bite to eat they're going to get. They, Jesus is going to give them a feast. They need to sit. They're going to enjoy this. He takes the little that's available. He lifts it to heaven. He gives thanks for it. And then he begins to distribute it. And Matthew just matter-of-factly writes, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So we're talking about like 10 to 15,000 people. <laughs> like, like this is just hard to imagine, right? Like, like it's hard to cater for 20 people. <laughs> like you have 20 people over your house. That's a lot of work. Like Jesus is feeding 15,000 people or, or more with this such small amount. Not only did he meet their need, but there was an abundance so that actually everyone was satisfied and actually there was even leftovers for thousands of people. We see, even when in a wilderness, Jesus can transform our not enough into more than enough. He takes the little that they have for offer, he's, he's thankful for it, he breaks it, and he gives it back to them. And then the disciples do what Jesus told them to do, they feed the people. So it's actually interesting. In this story, the disciples hand out the food. Jesus says, you, you give them something to eat. They can't do it without Jesus, but if they give what they have to Jesus, he gives it back to them, and then they can do what he called them to do, to feed the people. They, he gives it back transformed. And it's interesting, because like, so it's a common story in the Bible, that God, God gives someone something, and it gives a task, but part of their journey is to actually give it back to him surrender it back to him, and he can transform it and give it back to them, and then they can do what they're called to do. So there's Abraham and Isaac. He's given a son, but then he's called to give that son back to God. But then God gives it him back to him, and, and the relationship is transformed. Um, I know an author um, who God was working through his writing, but he went through a season of it just not really working and, and just actually surrendering it to God and saying, God, I won't write anymore. I don't need this, I just give it up to you. And then God gave it back to him and called him to keep writing and then transformed and worked powerfully through him all around the world. It's often a common story of, of God giving us things, but then it needs to be surrendered. It needs to be given back to Jesus, even if it's small. And then Jesus gives it back to us in a way that can actually um, bless and work powerfully in the world. Um, I think what the disciples in some ways are doing by bringing what is, seems like still a ridiculous thing, this small bit of food, but they obey Jesus and they bring it to him. And in some ways, what they're doing is giving up just operating in human strength because so far they've just been operating in human strength, which is not bad, 
it, it makes sense what they say, right? Like, they're, they're concerned about the crowds. All these people need to eat. They need to go get food. That's like a good solution to the problem. But Jesus is inviting them to not operate by human strength, but actually give that up and take heaven's perspective. They haven't actually taken into account the power of God that's present with them. They've just gone ahead and tried to, let's solve the problem, rather than actually bringing the problem to Jesus, giving up human solutions and human strength, and actually creating a space for God's power to work, and actually multiply and meet this need in a, in a totally different way. Because in that story, right, in human terms, there's absolutely not enough to feed that crowd. <laughs> but from God's perspective, there's an abundance. Like, God has no problem feeding people in the wilderness. He did it in the Old Testament. He's done it multiple times. God has no lack. So in that story, Jesus knows from God's perspective, there's no lack. From a human perspective, there's absolute lack. Jesus knew that they did not need to leave to get food. God has plenty of food. And they had access to God's power. And in some ways, perhaps Jesus even led them there to teach them this. That actually, even in a wilderness, even when there's lack of human resources, God has no lack. And he can take what is there and multiply it into an abundance. Now, there's this quote I read this week from this um, yeah, Bible dictionary. It said, in Scripture, a desert, the word is eremos, is ironically also where God richly grants his presence and provision for those seeking him. The limitless Lord shows himself strong in the limiting, difficult scenes of life. In some ways, like, like the challenge that Jesus is under in this story and the, the pressure that he may be feeling from the loss of John and the crowds coming, and there's, there's, there's pressure and interruption, but what comes out of him is what's there, is, is compassion and, and love. Also, in the difficult times of, of life that we face, when we don't have enough, there's actually an invitation to recognize God's provision and God's power and heaven's perspective, that there is enough in him. Um, it's the, the testimony of David that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Actually, if we have God, we have all we need. Paul as well learned this. He puts it this way in Philippians 4, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul learned this secret that if he has Jesus, he has all that he needs. He actually, Jesus has an abundance. Jesus will share that and actually um, be more than enough for Paul in any and every situation. Because Jesus has an abundance, but, and he doesn't hold it back. He's actually willing to share, and even share more than just food. In this story, we see that God cares about people's physical needs. He, he cares about their sickness. He cares about their hunger, and he, he wants to meet that. He wants people to be fed and supported. But we see this story even point to a passage that Sam read out before in, in communion. There's the same words that are used, that, that Jesus here in this, this feast, he, he takes the bread, he looks to heaven, he gives thanks, he breaks it. It's the same thing that he will do at the Lord's Supper, at, when, he, when he has the Passover and communion. Because we see that Jesus is, is providing bread, but he actually ultimately will provide and give himself to the people. Jesus himself will be taken, lifted to heaven, broken, and his life will then be shared 
with the world through his disciples. In this story, they're, they're feeding people physically with bread, but it points to the fact that Jesus is the bread who will be lifted up on a cross, who will be broken, and then his life will be shared with the world through his disciples. So see, we have a compassionate God, a generous God, a God who actually gave it all, who has an abundance, who was rich and then became poor. And actually what we're invited to is to offer ourselves up to him and offer the little that we have up to him, that he would transform it and use it and give it back to us to bless a hungry world in need. We're actually not called just to give God the leftovers or just the things that we feel capable and confident in or the things that when we think we have enough, okay, we have enough for this God so I can do this. No, actually, when we don't have enough, when we don't feel capable, when we're inadequate, when we lack resources, when we're weak, is actually we're to take that to him and offer that to him and actually lay down our human perspective and take the perspective of heaven into those situations. And what we offer the world is not just help for physical needs, though we, we do, and we even do that here. There's the awesome ministry of food that happens here that's important. We, we don't just seek to help people with their, their sicknesses and their difficulties and their relationships, though that's important, but what we have to offer people is the ultimately the bread of life, is Jesus who was broken and given to us to share and give to all who will believe. So as we respond today, I've just got some questions um, to sort of just think about, perhaps, um, and reflect on and pray through um, in response to this story. I just think it's such an awesome story, and I just love seeing Jesus' heart through it. And um, So just consider this. Is there a situation where at the moment you are overwhelmed due to lack of resources compared to the need? And it could be in your personal life. It could be a ministry thing. It could even be for us as a church. Because um, it's a common thing, right, that there's, there's more need than resource available. But to sort of think of one in particular. In that area, what do you have that you can bring to Jesus, even if it's small? What has he given you? What's in your hand? What is available that's probably not enough, but it's not about that. It's about bringing it to him. And in that situation, how does it change things to view that situation from heaven's perspective of abundant resources rather than human perspective of limited resources? Because it's probably human-wise, limited resources, what does it look like to know that God has an abundance in that situation and can meet needs? So I might actually just give like a minute or so now just to kind of reflect. It probably needs more than that, maybe something to think about in the next few days. I'll just give a minute or so now, um, and then I'll come back up and pray, and then, then we'll finish.
we just give you thanks, Jesus, that, yeah, your core, your heart, um, you are love and compassion and mercy and grace. And, yeah, we, we are here because of your mercy and your kindness and your generosity to us. And um, just thank you for the confidence that we can have to come before you. Thank you for the call and the way that you want us to, um, yeah, care for this world and care for people and, and represent you and you invite us into your work. You don't want to do it without us, but through us. And uh, we just thank you that there's an abundance in you that we don't have enough, um, but you want to take what we do have and transform it. And yeah, we just give us grace, God, to, to see things from your perspective, Jesus, to, to operate by the power of the kingdom of heaven. Give us confidence and, and faith um, and keep us from being overwhelmed and uh, discouraged. And yeah, just lead us even as a church, Lord, to, to use what we have faithfully. We just offer you the things that we do have, um, the, the, the people, the, the resources, the programs, the, the money, the, the time, the buildings, the space. We just offer it to you. Say it's not enough, God, to, to reach this whole community. Uh, it's not enough to transform people's lives to the decree that they need, Lord. It's, we actually don't have enough, but we just offer what we do have to you. I said you'd transform it. I said you'd multiply it. I said you'd work powerfully through your abundance in, in our hearts in this region. Just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.